Thank you for listening and welcome to the Revival Church Sermon Podcast. We are so glad that you are here. Revival Church is a non-denominational church located in Holiday, Florida. For more information, please visit us on the web at revivalccfl.com slash go. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Wow. A little overwhelmed. A little overwhelmed. Serve an awesome God. Amen. Amen. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. Before you do that, do me a favor. Let's give it up for the praise team in the band. Amen. Praise God. And let's get up with the tech guys that do all the work back here. Yeah, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Man, we are blessed with so many people. I don't know anything about technology. So if you get anything, my man is the one sending and taking care of over here. And, and uh, it's the beauty of the body of Christ. Amen. Different giftings, different talents, one body. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. I know, can you do me a favor, man? There's a, there's a, there's a bottle of water. Oh, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's pretty... um, let, me, let me just talk to you before we get into the word. It's been a long few weeks. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. But God's grace is amazing. He strengthens you. Hey, thanks, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Oh, if there's children, anybody can go with Miss Joanna. Um, she's back there doing children's church, so... Um, I'm excited. I'm believing God for something great. So as we were starting this church, I said, God, what do you want us to build the foundation on? I mean, I haven't been sleeping in, in like three weeks. I think I've been up like almost all night and getting up early and just, and the one thing that kept on hitting me over and over and over is love. They asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? What did he say? To love God. With all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, right? And love your neighbor as yourself. The foundation is love. And, and it hit me so hard. I said, God, as we start this, if we can't get this right, we're going to be in trouble. Because we're people. I'm flawed. You're flawed. We're all messed up. The glue that holds us together is the love of God. So we're going to start a sermon series today. And we're going to take the next few weeks just talking about very foundational love. And there's a purpose. It's not just to hear a preacher speak. It's to understand the love of God, and as we receive it, not just to say, okay, that's great, I went to church, thank you that you love me, but then to pour it out into the world, <clears throat> to give it to your neighbors, your friends, people that are hurting, people that are desperate, people that are broken, that are desperate for Jesus, and nothing else. They buy this, they get that, they snort this, they drink that, they sleep with this one, and then none of it Fulfilled. None of it satisfies. You do get short spikes of happiness. It works. The money does give you happiness. The things do give you happiness. But then you're left searching again, 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 again. So today we're going to start by looking at the love of God. And it's a powerful love. We're going to look at an encounter of Jesus with a man with leprosy. And we're going to look at the healing. But we're going to get to the love of God. But I think the way you really understand the love of God is by first understanding the context of what's going on. The desperation of this man that is utterly hopeless. He's lost all hope. But he has one hope left, and that's Jesus. 
And sometimes that's all you need. Amen. That's it. So let's read this text. But before we do anything, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you again. I pray in Jesus' name, God, just strengthen me. Allow me to preach by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let your words flow through me. God, I know you don't need me. You can put a squirrel up here and make him speak. But I ask in Jesus' name, God, let me decrease that you would increase today. And let the words flow through my mouth, Father, and I could speak and accurately, succinctly communicate what you want me to communicate. And I pray over every man and woman in this place that they would hear exactly what you want them to hear. And now the goal is to walk out the door today, Father, different, different. Not just did we enjoy the service. No, 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 different. Looking more like Jesus and less like ourselves. Help us to be your hands and feet in this world, God, to make a difference. Be glorified today. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, we can put a smile on your face today. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. It says, when Jesus came down, oh, man, I really should. Yeah. Ron, what was I telling you last week when I was preaching a couple weeks ago in New Life? I need to bring my glasses. I think I got Ross. I'm put on a little light. I can't see. Hang on. Uh, are those cheaters? <laughs> I think the light might have. I got you back. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Hallelujah. <laughs> I feel so sophisticated. Uh. <laughs> Thank you, man. Go to the principles. I don't care. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Amen. Sometimes we read the Bible through the eyes of 2022 living in Florida, and you got to see the Bible through the eyes of these people. In order to extract the context of what's being communicated, so we learn the principles that God has for us. So I want to take a little bit of time first and, and look at the context, look at the suffering, look at the desperation of this man. And then we're going to see what God does when you come to him broken. Not just come to him, but come to him broken and come to him desperate. And you are going to see that love of God. So I do want to talk for a minute. Are you going to pull a picture at end before we stop? <laughs> no, you're fired. But anyway, uh, well, pull it up, man. Let's talk about leprosy. I'm going to tell you what it's like. No, okay, that's it. You're deducted, man. That's it. Your pay is cut. No, okay. I love you, brother. Let's talk about leprosy for a second. Sorry, I'm going to start you off. What was the first thing you ever saw at the church? Well, I do want you to understand, and this is a very conservative picture, by the way. There was a lot worse when I was preparing for the message. But I think sometimes in scriptures we see the desperation of somebody. We see leprosy, and we don't really understand what we're dealing with. Like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, Jesus healed the man. That was a leper. Let's move on. This man is physically, emotionally, and spiritually hopeless. He, there's no hope. Let's talk about the physical part first. Leprosy is a debilitating, incurable disease onto death. Starts off with, with your nerves, it get, it get getting messed up, and, and sensations gone. 
and then you start getting atrophy, there's muscular issues, you start getting ulcers, and in essence, parts of your body, you become a living decomposition. If you have ever been around a dead body, there is a smell that you will never forget with decomposition. Except this man, and anybody has leprosy, is like living, walking decomposition. You are falling apart literally, extremities will fall apart until you die. A horrible, miserable death. So physically, and what's the cure, Rami? There is no cure. So physically, hopeless. But it's not only physical hopelessness, emotional hopelessness. In, in, in the culture, imagine one day you've got a, a mama, friends, a husband, wife, kids, family, work, church, and then, and then the little legion pops up on you. We've all been there, right? Is it a zen? Is it an ingrown hair? Is it? And then they pronounce that you have leprosy. Now imagine this, you cannot even go home again. You can never hug your children again. You can never be in the same house as your wife again. You can never go worship again with the people you love. You can't go to work. You can't even stay in the same village. You got to go live in a leper colony away from everybody else. And what do you have to do? If I come six feet of you, unclean, unclean, unclean. And if somebody's downwind of you, it's 150 feet. That's a lonely existence, man. Imagine if in a split second, everyone you have ever loved and everything you have ever loved and everything that's ever meant something to you is gone. In one. Emotional hopeless. But he's also spiritually hopeless too. You think about it. You can't go to the temple, man. You're unclean. Now, I know we try to compare it to church and and. and and don't get me wrong, I mean, obviously, the Bible says don't forsake the gathering of the believers. We should gather, and this is a beautiful thing. But we also know that we don't need each other in a way where we can boldly approach the throne of grace, right? Well, we know because of what Jesus did on the cross. But in the Old Testament, it wasn't that way. You couldn't boldly approach God. There was a priest, there was a middleman. He would offer a sacrifice on your behalf. You would have the festivals, you would go to the temple. But now you can't even do that. So you can't even really worship anymore. So you wind up with a man that is physically, emotionally, and spiritually bankrupt and hopeless, and there's nothing. There is no point to it. My life is hopeless. It's gone. Everything is gone. But he has one hope. This Jesus guy I heard about. And sometimes in life, that's all you have, man. Sometimes in life, everything is gone. I wasn't counting on this. I thought my finances were going to look this way. Well, they're not. I thought she was going to love me forever. Well, she didn't. I thought the disease way, but well, it didn't. Remember when you were a little kid and you planned out your life and it was going to be this and that, right? And it's so cute. I'm going to have 2.5 kids. The white picket fences and everything's going to be great. And now you're 57. You're like, what the heck happened? <laughs> Amen. But you know what? Jesus is still Jesus. And all this man had was Christ. So he says, you know what? I'm going to gamble it all. I'm going to put all my chips in. He's risking his life. The Bible says there's large crowds around Jesus. I'm going to go to the only one that can do something about my situation. 
I'm going to go to the only one that can actually do something, not just to mimic it, not to cover it, not to numb it, but to truly transform my situation. Pick up with me in verse one. Thank you, Ron. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Hallelujah. He approaches him. It's like, okay, well, yeah, I got you. I mean, he approached him. No, no. Large crowds, man covered in legions and leprosy. And Jesus is a rabbi. You know what he's risking? He is life. If this man walks in the middle of the crowd, they, they can stone him, they can drag him, they can beat him. But he's so desperate for a touch from the Lord that he will risk it all. Flip that up for me, please. No. Next Sorry, no, no, the next slide. Okay. That's okay, what? That one right Thanks. Are you desperate enough for a healing? To replace what will they think with what will God think? Let me say that again. Are you desperate enough for healing? To replace what will they think for what will God think? I know it's easy to sit here and say, yeah, yeah, of course, Rami, yeah, no problem, man. But you'd be surprised how much emphasis we put on what other people think. What's it going to look like? What's going to happen? What are they going to say about me? And I'm going to tell you right now. This is not the way you approach the Lord. You've got to have the mindset of saying, hey, as long as I'm good with you and you're good with me, it's a good day. He says, you know, I'll risk it all. What, what, if, they, what if they drag me? What if they this? What if, I'll risk it all. Because what's the other option? My only hope, my only redemption is Jesus Christ. He approaches. But I also want you to look at something really interesting how he approaches. Because again, he, he, he's gambling everything that the love of God is bigger than the judgment of man. Okay? And he approaches broken. The Bible says he knelt before. Proskoneo is, is, is a Greek word. Proskoneo, he knelt. That word literally means to prostrate, face down, worshiping the Lord. So he approached Jesus, wanting something from Jesus. But don't miss this. Don't miss it. He first approached Worshipping Jesus. He first approached broken before Jesus. Because a lot of times we approach Jesus to get, but not to give. There's nothing wrong with getting. There's nothing wrong with asking. But you should always come glorifying, come praising, come worshiping, and then, and then ask. You know, there's thousands of people following Jesus. Thousands of people are running to Jesus today in all different buildings. How many are coming for Jesus? And how many are coming just to get something from Jesus? Think about this. You ever go on a trip? You go on a vacation. What do we do a lot of times before we drive? Hey, let's take a minute, guys. Let's pray, right? Let's pray for travel safety, right? Travel mercy. We've all done it, right? What happens when you get to Myrtle Beach and you get to the hotel? Yeah, I don't have to say anything. We run out, right? Hey, you got the stuff? I'm taking green bags. What happens before you go to surgery at Tampa General and you're holding hands with your family and your preacher's there and they're praying over you, God, we're asking Jesus' name, Father, for, for getting through the surgery. God, the hand of the doctor. God, the hands of the nurses. Father, God, be with her through this surgery, Lord. And then when you get through the surgery, 
Who's got time to pray now? Hey, here's some flowers. How you doing, sweetie? Give me, God. And don't misunderstand me. Don't misunderstand me. We should ask. He tells us to ask. But don't let that be the first thing. The Bible says multitudes followed him. Hey, 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 this guy's got food. I heard about some fish and some bread. Hey, th this guy does miracles. Hey, 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 maybe this guy can override things and, and get the Romans out of here. Hey, he can do something for us. He can do something for us. He can, he can fix something for us. I'm here. I love you, Jesus. What can I give to the Lord? What can I give to the Lord? You know, they say, I read a thing, I think it was Barna, I can't remember, but a research. They said that people will make up their mind about a church within the first seven minutes when they visit it. Within the first seven minutes of visiting a church. That means they haven't even heard the preachers speak that. What are they doing? I like this. I don't like that. This is different from what I'm used to. I like Nobody comes in and says, use me, God. Use me, God, for your glory. I know I joke around, and there's nothing wrong with this, but I always get me mad when people say, did you enjoy everything? Did you enjoy everything? It's not Red Lobster, man. <laughs> like, 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 the culture is destroyed. There's young ladies we work with in the shelter right now that slice their arms every night that are suicidal, that are trying to kill themselves. There's families that are broken. There's marriages that are destroyed. There's people that are consumed in depression. And we're like, did you enjoy your latte? I don't care if you enjoy it. I hope you're wrecked. I hope you walk out and say, God, break me for my culture. Break me for my community. Break me for the schools. Break me and use me with every last breath that I have. Yeah. It's not just preaching. If you got me and you open up, that's my heart. Because somebody loved me enough and cared about me enough when I was a kid to invest in me. Alan Pelham, I never forget. I love that man. He had a wife and three kids, and I was a young kid in my early 20s, lost, and he would come to the Baptist Center at USF. Fly in, he did engineering, he'd go all over the country, exhausted, tired, coming in from the airport. Before he went home, Tuesday night, to have his Bible to come sit with a 20-year-old, was homeless kid. Was living with a guy named Dan, put a mattress on the ground for me. Every week investing in me. It wasn't enjoyable to him. Yeah, he could sit on the couch, but he invested in me because he understood the purpose of a church. Do you love the blessings more than the blesser? And I'm telling you, I think a lot of times we don't get a breakthrough because we're approaching God, but we're approaching him the wrong way. This man, you're going to see a miracle happen in his life. But Rami, he wants something from, yes, yes, he does, he does. But again, the second thing is what he wants. The first thing is what he gives. I always have a lot of love for people that really just love you and care about you. That's actually rare. You ever notice a lot of times people, like, I remember I had spine surgery. I'll say this and we'll move on. But I had, I had L5S1 herniated disc. Any y'all ever had back surgery? Anybody here? Raise your hand if you had back surgery. Yeah, I know you did. Anyway, go. Back pain is something else, man. <laughs> I, before you have back pain, when people talk about back pain, like, oh, I have back pain. Like, oh, I get it. You know, I understand. No, you don't. Blowing out disc, compressing my sciatic. My left leg, I had about 30 seconds when I was standing up. At the end, I was crawling around the house. 30 seconds, and then it was fire. But anyway, I had surgery. Dr. Moreno, shout out, great guy. Restored my life. But you guys remember, you were in my class at the time. Remember, I used to have to put the chair just so I can stand. A couple of days after surgery, I get a call from a friend of mine I haven't heard from in, in a long time. 
a long time. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And he cares. Pick up the phone. Hey, man, what's up? Yeah, I heard surgery. Everything was good. Yeah, everything's good. Okay. Anyway, listen, I got 10 seconds. And then I realized he called. He wanted a 20-minute thing. He needed something. And have you ever had somebody call and they pretend that they... No, no, I'm talking about. Okay, maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. Like, like, oh, I need to hear from you. I just wanted to reach out for it. And, and you know, within five minutes of the conversation, it was never about caring about you. They just wanted something from you, right? 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 Then you know, you know, it wasn't about you. I love when people just love. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong. I help people. We help people. I ask people for things. You ask. That's fine. But they care about the person. Sometimes I feel like we do the same thing with Jesus. We go through everything, but we really don't care about the Lord. But this man did, and he approached him worshiping, and he approached him broken, but he also approached him in faith. Watch what he says. He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He has an incurable disease, but he doesn't say, hey, if you can, he says, if you're willing. He says, I know that you're the God of the impossible. I know that there's nothing that you can't fix. I know that there's nothing you can't turn around. If you're willing, God. But, but this is impossible. I know, but he's God. <laughs> you got four weeks. This is impossible. But he's God. He can do as he does. He is the creator of the whole universe. But I'm going to tell you something that's not very sexy. And this is, I'm going to lose some of you guys on this one. Sometimes he's not willing to give that physical healing. Flip that up for me. Let me do some teaching in the preaching today because I feel like I might be sweet for a spiritual uh, malpractice if, um, if I don't break this down. I used to always hear, hate when preachers would just unpeel one layer of the onion like, hey, he's God. He can do all he can. Amen. And then they move on. I'm like, but, 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 but there's three more layers to this onion. And uh, the Bible says in James 31, let, let, let not many amongst you be teachers for their help to stricter judgment. All y'all that teach in here, be careful. I'm responsible. So as I teach, I'm never going to give you a tickle your ear. Oh, all things are possible. He loves you. He's And then just move on. No, no, no. I got to unpeel this a little bit because I got to answer to God for everybody sitting here. So sometimes he's not willing. God's healing comes down in two forms predominantly. Sometimes it's a physical and mental restoration where he does the miracle, right? And things are transformed. But most of the time, it's going to be emotional resilience. He will give you the grace to walk through hell because he's developing you and molding you and pruning you and shaping you so you can look more like Jesus and less like yourself. Now, it ain't sexy. I want this one. I want this one. But when that happens, when the cancer's gone, when somebody gets out of a wheelchair, we don't say, oh, that's amazing. God did a normal what do we say? God did up. God did up. Hence, the term itself indicates a non-normative event. But the other one, and you see in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul says, hey, I got a thorn in my flesh. We don't know what it is. It's an expression. The Bible doesn't show us. Tell us what it is. Three times, this great apostle was like, help me, God. Fix the situation in my life, God. Fix the situation in my life, God. Change the situation in my life, God. And you know what God does? Nothing. He says, hey, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. So 
Here's the danger with a lot of modern Christianity. Modern Christianity found out this. This gets you money. Can, can we be real? I don't feel like preaching. Can we be real? Can we be real? This gets you money. Promise them the world. Teach them little fluffy stuff, and they'll come back. They'll come back. The problem is this. When they realize that life doesn't happen this way, people get mad at God. Well, God didn't deliver. No, no, no. Instead of saying, my teacher was wrong. God never promised you heaven on earth. The only thing he promises, when you go through hell, boy, I will hold your hand. How many miracles have you seen in your life, Rami? I've seen things that are probably miraculous, but one, 100%. One. One. Mr. Cox, I've seen it. I saw the x-ray. I saw the MRI. Covered in cancer. Covered in cancer. We all saw it. Next week, nothing. The man in his 80s, nothing. Completely clean. The non-believing head of oncologist up there at UT, but I don't know what to tell you, man. He's not a Christian. Even the, the doctor's like, I don't know what to tell you. That's so why I saw that. Although I will say, this, this church is, I think is becoming the second miracle. <laughs> <laughs> It is not even about that today, but I'm going to tell you, telling the well in them earlier, man. I'm so grateful for the folks at Timber Greens. Thank you so much for, for your hospitality. And I know they've been it's a huge blessing to have that, but I also know there's liability issue with the kids and stuff. So Monday morning, it's not even in the message, but just God's putting them on my heart. Monday morning, I'm not lying, man. God is my witness. I'm not exaggerating. It's exactly how it is. I woke up. I can't sleep. I got up like four something around five o'clock. I'm sitting having my coffee in the dark in the little back area patio there. And and I was like, God, I want the kids to come. I want the children to come. And I have no building. And I got to respect the rules. And there's a major hurricane coming. <laughs> it's the Red Sea moment. I, I, I don't know what to say. It's a Red Sea moment. I'm having, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm doing everything I can. That was at 5 a.m. 2 p.m. Man, I've never met before in my life. Mike Kabauschka, you know, I never met Pastor Hank before. Great guy. I'm sitting with him at Starbucks outside River Crossing. Tossing me a keto building. These songs that Noel and Dan and them sing and, and, and all these folks. There's no, what is it? No, no. See, you can't for it. No, I don't. No, they're not just songs. They're not just songs. He still restores. He still heals. He still works miracles, man. I, I didn't know band. I didn't know when I went to Publix that I would see a, a, a drummer and, 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 and rather than walking out the door. I didn't know. I didn't know. I turned around. I never go there that time. He wasn't supposed to be there. He walked in to get dog food. And I'm sitting there. I looked at these cookies that I always get every week. And for some reason, they didn't appeal to me. So I walked around the bakery for 10 minutes because I had to wait at the right time to see him. I pay and I'm walking out the door. And I look. And I love him, and he's nice, and we've hugged in the past, but, but we're not like best friends. We haven't hung in. It's not like that. Just be honest. I could have just walked out, but something in my heart said, go give the man a hug. Coincidence. <laughs> and we're talking, and I can go on and on and on and on. He's an amazing God. He works miracles, but most of the time, it's going to be grace. It's going to be emotional resiliency. He's going to give you the strength. Why? Because, again, the number one goal of God, and I know this isn't what we want to hear, is not your happiness, but your holiness. He's trying to make you look more like Jesus. So the next time that broken man comes to you, instead of looking down your nose at him and judging him, you're like, yeah, I'll walk through that road, brother. I'll walk through that road. Let me, let me love on you. Let me give you a hug. 
Let me take your hand. Let me sit with you after Tuesday night men's Bible study. Because I walked that road too. We serve an awesome God. Jesus, in this situation, chooses to work a miracle. So we looked at the context. We looked at the desperation of this man. is covered in boils, lost everything, his family, his kids. And he's just broken. And he goes to Jesus. And now let's look at the love of God. Pick up those glasses, man. How do y'all do it? You just wear them back and forth. You put them on your neck. I don't know. I'm learning. I'm learning. Yeah. Look at, look at now. Let's look at the love of Christ. This is really what we want to get. Let's look at the agape love of God. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. The way that Jesus healed this man shows you what the love of God is about. Let me get four volunteers. Just come on. Four people. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's go. Don't worry about it. Just four people. Stand sit up here for a second. Stand up here. Thank you. We'll, we'll do it. Think about four. Come on, Jenny. Thank you. Just sit next to me. Jesus had many ways. I'm going to do this four ways. Jesus had a multiple choice in front of him. Okay? There's four ways he can deal with this man. Remember, the Bible says he's surrounded by multitudes, right? Thousands around him. This man covers in leprosy, falling apart. His whole life is one disfigured. And I'm telling you, that was a conservative picture. He shows up on the scene. Option A. Remember, Jesus is the rabbi, right? Should a rabbi be touching up all up on, on, on a person that's covered with leprosy? One option is not to heal the man at all. One option, really, he can get the man killed. Is that possible? Yeah, that's happened before when people with leprosy got around people and, and he could have had him thrown and killed right there. And you know what? He would not actually even be wrong. Don't miss this. The reason Jesus doesn't do that is because Jesus sees the man before the disease. Lord, you might miss the halfway decent sermon if you missed out. That's a whole other sermon. I can't unpack it as much as I want to unpack it. I will because God, every time I was preparing God was like there's a sermon in that one Jesus sees the man before the addiction he sees the woman before the betrayal he sees that as a human being he sees you he doesn't see your faults and when you look at people that's just some junkie no 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 no. that's somebody's little boy that struggles with an addiction he could just not heal you could just say, hey, you know what? Hey, get out of here. Um, you're supposed to say I'm clean. What are you going to have him killed? That's one option. Right? Yep. Let's go to option B. What's up, Jane? <laughs> Second option. He could just say the word. Right? Remember the centurion? Right? Just say the word. You're healed. And you. You don't have to touch that disgusting, nasty man. Covered in boils and falling apart. He could. Right? He could just say the word. We would agree with that. Right? Yeah. Option C, you know what? You're healed. And then touch him. He could heal him and then touch him. Right? Look at your Bibles. What happens first, the touch or the healing? He says, no A, no B, no C. Come here all messed up and nasty and disgusting and covered in boils and addicted and strung out on porn and strung out on the bottle and depressed and broken and hateful and wrecked and your life is messed up and I know what you were doing last night but let me tell you something boy I still 
love it. Let me tell you something, young lady. You still matter to me. I know you're disgusting. I know, I know, I know, I know you're disgusting. I see the boils. I, I know it's infectious. I, I, I see it. But I still love you because I don't see the disease. I don't see the brokenness. I don't see the addiction. I see you. I see my child. And he touches him. As nasty as he is. As much as it will destroy Jesus' reputation, he's a rabbi. Well, what are they going to say about me? You're clean. I'm clean. He chooses to meet you. Grab a seat, guys. Give him a hand real quick. He chooses to meet you where you are at. He chooses to meet you where you are at. Now, today, you might be listening to my sermon. Maybe you don't have physical leprosy, hopefully, but you might have emotional leprosy. You might have mental leprosy. You might have spiritual leprosy. Guess what? God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he touched a man while he was dirty, he will touch you and touch me the same way. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. Now, I know I got a little bit of a teaching. I'll get you out there with me. Y'all getting something out of this? You getting something out of this? All right, so give me a few more minutes, and, and, and I'll be quiet. <laughs> I, I hate you guys, man. I just, I'm, I quit. I quit. All this Think about this for a second. This concept, even though, like, in church, it's so nice. Oh, yeah, thanks, God, you touched him. It messes with our head because that's not how we love. This whole sermon's on love, right? The sermon series is on love. That's not how we love. I love you because you're nice to me. We love each other because we have what's called the transactional love. The love of God and the love of man are different. We should strive every day to love as God loves. Now, I, I got to keep it real. Love, like I said, English English is a very, very weak language. No offense, but it's like from history's perspective, you don't have to flip it yet, man. Give me one second. That's fine. That's cool. Um, either way, it's fine. I'm going to break it down in a minute. But love... I love my wife. I love Ethan. I love little Cedar. I love my son. Ooh, I love these socks. One word. One word. You love little Caesar stuffed crust pizza, and you love your daughter. Which one more? Who knows? <laughs> Don't judge. Have you ever had little Caesar stuffed crust pizza? It's really good. My defense, I don't have a dog. Flip that up for me. Koine Greek, thank you, No. Koine Greek, there are seven words for love. Let me do a little teaching here. Seven words for love. Now, four are domineering that you'll see in scriptures. So I want to make it clear because I don't want to just give you a fish. I want to teach you how to fish. So when you read the Bible, uh, because like I, there's another text we won't get to today, but, you know, it says, Peter, do you love me? You know, I love you, Lord Peter. Do you love me? You know, I love you, Lord Peter. They look kind of stupid in English. Oh, feed, feed my sheep. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, Peter, do you agape me? And he goes, you know, I can lay you, Lord. Peter, you agape me, you know, which means you love me unconditionally. He's like, no, you know, I'm your friend. Yeah. You love me unconditionally. You know, I'm your friend. And then the third time he says, he goes, okay, you feel me? My friend Jesus was meeting where he was at. It's a whole other sermon. I won't touch it right now. But a lot of times you look at things in English and they just look kind of stupid. Why well, just ask him three times? Because it's two completely different words in Koine Greek. Words. So when you get the word eros, it's where we get the word erotic from. This is a romantic sexual love. This is lust. This is lust. You got a word called philea which is a, a, a friendship, a, 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 like, a, that's my bro, man. That's, that's my boy, right? It's, it's a friendship kind of love. It's a good love. It's a friendship. That's where we get our word Philadelphia from, right? The city of brotherly love, okay? 
Storge. Storge is familiar. It's relatives. That's like like my, my, my daughter, my my my, my son. I, I I love I love my grandma. And all three of these loves are amazing. All three of these loves are wonderful. All three of these loves are incredible, but they are all transactional love. What I get from you, I'll give back. But we are commanded to love God and to love others with an agape love. This is the highest form of love. Actually, I have the word on me, but um, it's the highest form of love. It's the love that says, I am willing to sacrifice everything for you. I'm willing to give everything to you. It's a love that, that commands us to, 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 to give everything without asking for anything in return. It's a very, very difficult love, but that's the love that God commands us to do. Now, we're talking about Little Caesars earlier. <clears throat> I work, I work in a shelter. Um, me and Noah used to work together, and, and, but I worked with the same agency. I did another job with, with counseling, and I used to go all over the place, and I was kind of had a session in Tarpon Springs, and I was coming back up, and I stopped at the Little Caesars here, right outside, by the way. And I, want, I wanted some pizza. I, I, I don't get paid by Little Caesars, but I, I love them because I love pizza, and it's cheap. Um, Damien, I was so hungry, man. I got, I got a pizza. And I, I took a slice out to eat, and I had to get back to my office in Trinity. So I'm like, oh, man, I'm just going to eat it along the way. So I'm, I'm driving. I pull out of the parking lot right there by Mile Stretch and 19, and I make a right. And, and, and as I make a right, there, there is a man, a, a homeless man, that's just sitting like this, just lunched over, looking like maybe 50, 60 years old, barely with it, hair all shaggy, big beard, just, just sitting there. And I love to look all spiritual and stuff, but I ain't going to lie to you. I had no intention of stopping I'm just going to drive by. I'm just going to go past this guy and, 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 and just get to my office and train me because I'm late. But then the truck comes out of the pod. I'm like an 18-wheeler. I think it might have been the guy's first day on the – I don't know what he was doing. He was a horrible truck driver because he blocked all of Mile Street, and you've heard of the three-point turn. This cat did like a 17-point turn. <laughs> That's not even a joke. Like, the poor guy, I don't know, he just started. I don't know, but he was completely panicked. So now everyone's waiting on this side, and I'm waiting on this side between 19 and, and, and going this way after mile straight. Now I've got to stare at this man. <laughs> the man's sitting there, sitting over, and I start looking at him the way I'm looking at this guy. He's not looking at me, I'm looking at him. And within like five seconds or so, while he's sitting there and he turns around and he looks at me. Now normally at this point, proper... Human decorum says you look away, right? But I can't explain it, man. Something inside of me just had me to continue looking at his eyes. I thought he, he was going to look away. And he wouldn't look away. So I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me, and it might have been about 30, 40 seconds, which doesn't sound like a long time, but when you're staring into somebody's eyes, as I looked at him, and he's looking at me, and he's sitting there, and I'm waiting for this truck to go. I have nowhere to go. All I could think about was Jeremiah, my youngest son, when he was in his candies as a three, four-year-old, and I'm snuggling with him on a Wednesday night after I got home from church. What does that have to do with that, Rob? <laughs> I don't know, man. You take it up with the Holy Spirit. But that's I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. It's exactly what I was thinking about. And all I could think about was that that was somebody's Jeremiah. <laughs> 
It's not like like deep emotional. That that's the truth, man. That was somebody's. That was a mama that tucked him in the bed at night, read a story. That there was plans for him. That, that, that there was there was you know little tricks, and there was grandma's house, and and and, and there was Christmas mornings where, where that man got up in his jammies, right? Right? He walked. I mean, I'm lying. He was a kid, right? And then he opened presents. That was somebody's Jeremiah. That was somebody's Jeremiah. What happened between Christmas morning and Monday jammies and Mom stretching 19 on drugs south over? I don't know. I don't care. I don't judge. Jesus still loves us. We all got a story. What do you want the heart of this church to be? That's what I want the heart of this church to be. I don't know what God's going to do with this. Well, on my mind. Months ago, you told me I was here. I didn't laugh. I don't have anything more powerful, but that's that's the heart of this church. That we can look at somebody and say that somebody's here. God, look at that. Jesus, the prostitute, that's somebody's little girl. He's just a junkie. You can be careful that guy. That's somebody's little boy. Oh, you weren't there when his friend gave him the drugs and got out of home. You don't know the situation. You don't know what happened when that guy left her. He promised he was all over forever. And then you, you don't know the heartache. You don't know the suffering. They are desperate for Christ, and we are drinking mocha lattes. Let the church be the church. There's power, man. There's power. Say this, and I'm done for real. I was don't have I'm being for real. When I was preparing this thing, when we got this building, I thought, you know what? Let's just love Bible study because we got to get everything organized. We got to get everything squared away. And we got a lot to do. And we have no order sound equipment. And then the Holy Spirit took me apart. What's wrong with you, boy? You're worried more about impressing the people that everything's perfect because you know they used to be in caves. <laughs> Have people sticking in a cave five years later, the whole country's that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And God hasn't changed. That power is still available to you and me. And I ask as we close today, you saw a desperate man, a broken man, and the world is full of people. We are receive the love of receive the unconditional love of God. But God forbid if it ends with you. Go look at somebody's Jeremiah. And I pray that our heart is echoed in that agape love of God. Well, well what's in it for me? If I come, well, what's in it for me? Who cares what's in it for you? I don't really care if you're in. Did you enjoy Rami's? I don't care. Did it touch your heart? That's why I'm here. Are you going to do something about it? That's why I'm here. I pray that our lives are anchored in these three words. That Jesus saw the broken, saw the hurting, poured out his love and said, I and with. It's going to cost me time. I'm willing. It's going to cost me effort. I'm willing. It's going to cost me a heartache. And, hey, I, I know. I am willing. Here are my Lord. Send me. Let me extend that love to this world. I pray that this shirt would be God's hands and feet. Let's do it in the prayer. Father God, thank you so much for your words. Lord, I know words are weak. I know my words are weak, God, but the power of God can transform a heart. First of all, Lord, if there's anybody here in my voice that's never accepted Jesus, they're saying, this says, Mommy, if I died today, I don't know where I would go. Please, God, I beg you, let them not walk out the door. I've preached enough funerals.
but they would make the decision that it's real simple. Nobody can earn heaven, no church, no preacher, nobody like that. Nothing can get you to heaven except that Jesus died on the cross to pay for all of our sins. And I pray the person would accept that today and say, I accept Christ as my Savior. And if I die, I go before God and lets me in, not because I've done anything, but because all my sins are paid for on the cross. By faith, I pray there's anybody today that doesn't know Jesus, they make a decision today. Father, somebody's going to make some decisions today and say, God, help me. Help me. I'm big church about me. I'm tired of saying, what can I get? What can I get? What do I like? What do I want? Did I enjoy it? How about I want to fight for you, God? I want to come to you. I want to change the world. You have listened to a production of Revival Christian Church. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us on the web at revivalccfl.com slash go.